Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. When you're younger, health insurance is generally not something that you think about. And a lot of times, probably your mom or dad or your guardian is thinking about. The problem is, especially in poorer areas of which the radio stations that we're on serve, uh, areas that have high rates of poverty, health insurance is not something to take for granted. The rate of underinsured youngsters Uh, according to a new study from some researchers at the University of Pittsburgh, has risen between 2016 and 2019 from 30.6% to 34%. Inadequate insurance is becoming a problem. We have two of the authors of that study on the phone with us right now. They're going to talk about why this is important, what their research has found, and maybe uh, what are some possible remedies. Justin Yu is the lead author. He's a medical doctor and assistant professor of pediatrics at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Uh, Good morning, Dr. Yu. Good morning, Jason. Thank you for having us. Thank you for for being with us. And Amy Houtrow is also an MD. She is professor and vice chair of physical medicine and rehabilitation and pediatrics in the Pitt School of Medicine. She's also chief of pediatric rehabilitation medicine services at UPMC Children's Hospital. Good morning, Dr. Houtrow. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. Well, well, thank you. This is one of these problems that it, it seems to be an enduring feature of the American landscape. I'm going to start with you, Dr. Yu. I think a lot of people felt that with the Affordable Care Act, which some people refer to as Obamacare and the CHIP program, the Children's Health Insurance Program, that now everybody, especially kids, should have adequate health care. Uh, that's not what your study is finding, is it, Dr. Yu? Uh, that's correct. So, you know, one, I would just clarify that Obamacare definitely did help when it expanded Medicaid and, and it helped expand CHIP. Um, but what we show is that from 2016 to 2019, a lot of those gains were lost mm-hmm. and, in fact, almost wiped out. And it wasn't necessarily due to people losing or children losing insurance. Is that rather what we found was that the adequacy of the insurance that children do have got worse um, over that time period. And I think you know one of the main things that we found that really drove that drop in insurance adequacy was higher out-of-pocket costs. And one of the reasons that we think and what we were able to show uh, through our research is that that drop in insurance adequacy and the rise in out-of-pocket costs seems to be due to um, people's insurance or source of insurance shifting away from Medicaid and CHIP to private insurance plans. Uh, Dr. Houtron, would you like to elaborate on that? Why have people shifted away from chip or Medicaid or Medicare to, to private insurance. I mean, we, we've continued to see this it, just this past week as we are taping this. Uh, we we saw the Biden administration propose that COVID-19 tests should be free, but on the caveat that they will be reimbursed by private insurance companies. They're not actually just going to go and, and hand you one. You're going to be reimbursed. So what does that private insurance model 
How does that complicate things, especially for children and for pediatric medicine? What we saw over the last decade, I think, is something really important to consider related to poverty trends for children. And here we are in um, places that really serve children who live in poverty a lot. And so this is a topic that's really important for us to consider as healthcare professionals and the greater community. So uh, when the Great Recession hit, we saw a lot of child poverty. And since that time, we've seen less child poverty. And so this is a great thing until the pandemic hit, at which time child poverty rose again. Um, What that meant, though, is that fewer children were eligible for Medicaid services. So then they were reliant on their parents' coverage through their employers, for example, instead of on Medicaid. So there had been a trend for more and more children being covered uh, because they were poor by Medicaid. And then as poverty decreased, we saw that shift over to private insurance. The point that you make, what we're living right now today uh, regarding things like COVID testing and affordability of the services is really important because what we want is for people to be able to do the thing that keeps them as healthy as possible. And for that thing that they need to do, whether it be COVID testing or going to the doctor or seeing a psychologist, we want that to be easy for them. We don't want it to be associated with high costs because we know high costs keep people from seeking services that would benefit from them, would benefit them. And we also really just want people to have easy access to the things that they need. So we decomplicate lives instead of making them more complicated. And so I think your point about testing and access of COVID tests, we want that to be as easy as possible. We want people to be able to test whenever they need to be tested to help keep them safe from infection and other people safe from infection. The the problem is almost... too obvious to point out, but I'm, I'm, I'm good at that, so I'm going to point it out anyways, that the problem with being reimbursed by the private insurer is you have to have the money up front to get the tests or to get whatever procedure it is and then get reimbursed on, reimbursed on the back end. So if you don't have the money up front, you're still out of luck. And just to add to that, I mean, yeah. then there's a whole you know, bureaucracy and you know, set of paperwork that you have to go through where... You know, if you're a parent of a child, especially a, a child who has, you know, health, you know, complex health conditions with a lot of other stuff going on, you're just asking people to jump through a lot of hoops um, but don't, that don't need to be there. Uh, we're talking with uh, Dr. Justin Yu. He is lead author of a new study published in the journal Pediatrics about uh, children's health insurance. Also on the line with us is Dr. Amy Haltraus. She is a professor and vice chair of physical medicine and pediatrics at Pitt School of Medicine. Uh, Dr. Yu, I'll, I'll start this question with you. You used something called the National Survey of Children's Health, um, which tracks everyone, I think, from newborns up to 17 years old. Approximately how many uh, subjects in this field of data? I mean, what, what kind of numbers are we talking? That's a great question. And I, I think that really points to why the study is so strong. Um, so by trending it over four years, um, this national survey that is funded by the Maternal and Child Health Bureau and conducted by the U.S. Census Bureau, there are a lot of people um, involved in the survey. And so to specifically answer your question, um, over the four years, it was 100, over 130,000 individual respondents. Okay. Um, so again, a huge sample size. And uh, Dr. Hatro, uh, 
what's the correlation between demographics? I mean, between what part of the, are, are there different outcomes depending on if you're black or white or native speaking English or non-native speaker of English? Are there different correlations between what part of the country you live in, whether you live in the West Coast, in the Pittsburgh area or in the, the southern states? That's a really important question because who you are and where you live certainly matters for whether or not you are underinsured. So older children compared to younger children, their parents were more likely to report that their child uh, had insurance that didn't fully meet their needs. We also see that especially around those individuals in the middle income group. So um, not living in poverty, but near poverty. Uh, we see that differently for different ethnic groups. So we know, for example, that Hispanic families um, have higher rates of uninsurance. They also um, have lower rates of being well insured. So having adequate and continuous insurance. And then um, that certainly relates to children who are immigrants, um, children and um, families from uh, who are immigrants, they may have much, much higher rates of underinsurance compared to non-immigrant families. And I think that's really important, these issues. So who you are, where you live, those things um, matter when we are tracking. And then that means maybe our solutions, our activities that we do to help do outreach, the activities we do to change policy, to make sure that all children have equitable access to the health care that they need, means that we might need to do things differently for different groups of children and pay attention in different ways to their needs, because we want all children to thrive. Doctor, you was just talking about children who have those more complex health care needs, and those kids in particular, the ones that need the most services, those families are saying that their insurance doesn't meet those needs. So for me, as a pediatric rehabilitation medicine physician, I take care of kids who are medically complex. My entire population for patients that I see in clinic have disabilities, and I know that they themselves are more likely to have problems with getting what they need covered and having those costs be reasonable to the families. And so when I consider my job as a pediatrician, I've got to think about what's going on for families. The kind of information that we're showing here is it's pervasive for those children who are more complex. We, we have to take a 30-second break. When we come back, um, I want to explore a little deeper into some of these issues. And I also want to define some of the terms. Uh, again, underinsured kind of seems self-evident. You're underinsured if your insurance doesn't cover what you need. But I, I want to see if there's actually sort of what your technical definition of this was. And also talk about why some inferences maybe that you've been able to draw about why older children may be more likely to be underinsured than younger children. Okay. Uh, we are talking with uh, Dr. Uh, Amy Haltrow from the University of Pittsburgh. She's also Chief of Pediatric Rehabilitation Medicine Services at UPMC Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. Also on the line with us is Dr. Justin Yu. He's lead author of a new study that's in the journal Pediatrics, and he's an assistant professor of pediatrics in Pitt School of Medicine. We're talking about underinsurance uh, and how it's affecting uh, children's outcomes in the United States and why the rate of uh, underinsurance for young people rose from uh, about 31% to about 34%. That's two 
does, doesn't sound like much, but it's 2.4 million kids who were affected, uh, according to this new analysis published in Pediatrics. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes. Stay tuned. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Striffler's also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at strifflers.com or call 412-678-6191. Welcome back. We're talking about children's health insurance and the problem faced by an unfortunately increasing number of children in America who are underinsured. Uh, The results are published in a new article in the journal Pediatrics. Our guests this morning are two of the authors, uh, the lead author, Dr. Justin Yu, who is Assistant Professor of Pediatrics in Pitt School of Medicine, and Amy Hautrau, who is Senior Author of the paper and Professor and Vice Chair of Physical Medicine Rehabilitation at the Pitt School of Medicine. She also serves in as Chief of Pediatric Rehabilitation Medicine Services at UPMC Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. And Dr. Hautrau, I feel like I want to explore that a little bit more. When you say pediatric Rehabilitation services, and I think you alluded to this. Um, is this uh, children who have suffered a physical injury, or what sort? What sorts of uh, conditions are you treating? We take care of kids who have disabilities from any source. Mm-hmm. So it could be from a car crash, yeah. or it could be something that they're born with, or that they developed after birth. And we take care of children from birth all the way up to around twenty-six. Uh, when we launch them over to our colleagues in adult rehab medicine and back to their primary care doctors as well. So as you mentioned, these are um, young people who need more than just, they're they're not just going to the primary care doctor for the, the usual head cold, chicken pox, those sorts of things. They need continuing steady care. And I would assume they need it from the same practitioners so that there's a continuance of care so that people understand how the condition has evolved, for instance. That's a great point. And it's actually one of the great joys of my career is to watch children grow up. We do benefit from that continuity, understanding the child's longitudinal experience with their health condition, because ultimately we want these children to thrive, to be as healthy as possible, have all the opportunities that they want to succeed, uh, go on to do uh, great things in their adult lives. And so I agree that it's really important to be able to offer families that continuity. And I think you're getting at something really essential, which is when you have gaps in your health insurance or your insurance changes, sometimes you lose that continuity with the people that know your child the best. And that is another thing that comes up when we think about how important it is to make sure healthcare is covered by insurance that is continuous. Uh, I'm going to jump over to the lead author of the study, Dr. Justin Yu, and I want to maybe backtrack a little bit and define some of our terms. And I alluded to this underinsured. I guess that kind of is self-evident what underinsured is, but I'm wondering for the purposes of the study that you authored, your team, you and your team authored for pediatrics, how did you define underinsured? Sure. So there are two main components in underinsurance, or when we're at uh, judging uh, continuous and adequate insurance. So again, just like I said, it was insurance continuity and insurance adequacy. Insurance continuity was very simple. So did you have insurance at the time of the survey, and did you have no gaps in insurance coverage over the past year? Insurance adequacy was assessed in three ways. 
So did the insurance coverage pro uh, provide the benefits that the child need? Did the insurance um, allow the child to see the providers they needed to see? And did the insurance pr uh, protect families and the children from unreasonable out-of-pocket medical costs? Um, and again, just jumping back to what our main finding was that the, we you know, primarily saw the rise in uh, underinsurance was due to rising insurance inadequacy. And the inadequate, the growth in, in, in inadequacy was primarily due to um, growth in unreasonable out-of-pocket medical costs. Were you able to benchmark uh, the United results in the United States against other um, what we would call industrialized or developed countries? And, and is this a problem that exists in Canada, Germany, uh, France, the UK, for instance? Yeah, you know, so for, for this study specifically, we definitely are not able to do that just because the survey was conducted only among um, American children. Um, it gets to something, you know, you know, a unique feature of the American insurance landscape where, again, you know, whether or not you have insurance, a lot of times, you know, people are expected to, or people and families are expected to pay for their medical care up front um, and then are reimbursed down the road through their insurance plans. Um, uh, let me uh, kick this next question over to Dr. Haltrow. And, and Dr. Hugh, if you want to jump in, uh, jump in. We mentioned before the break that older children compared to younger children are more likely to face underinsured problems. Is that a problem because their conditions become more complex as they age? Is it a problem uh, based on the age of their parents and the kinds of jobs their parents have? I mean, what, what, are we able to have any inferences or any in insight into why that is? This study certainly doesn't illustrate why that is, but okay. we do have some ideas as why it might be. Mm -hmm. We know, for example, that the care that young children get, uh, the routine care, so baby, well-child checkups, um, and all of those things are tend to be well-covered and not associated with major costs to families, regardless of what type of insurance you have. And um, we also know that conditions start to develop more and more the older that you are. So if you are going to develop a chronic health condition, every year you age is another opportunity for that to occur. So you're exactly right. Um, kids who are older are more likely to have special health care needs, and they therefore can have more need for getting access to services. We have another break coming up. Unfortunately, time goes quickly, but, but I want to ask you about a problem that is very acute uh, in the Mon Valley, where the radio stations that we are on serve, and but we also serve a radio station over in the Ohio Valley in West Virginia, um, and, and much the same kind of economic conditions, and that is people using their emergency room or their urgent care center as their primary care doc. I, I was talking over the summer to Dr. Tracy Conti, who, who was at the Family Medicine Program at McKeesport, and I think is now chief of the Family Medicine Residency Program for all of UPMC, at a vaccination event this past summer, and she was talking about this is, you know, one of the things that concerns them is people, you know, they're not getting their vaccinations because they're only coming to the emergency room when they are acutely sick. Um, what kind of strain does that, how, how does that exacerbate, I guess, the problem of being underinsured? It would be my first question. Well, you know, the, what I would say is maybe it's at the flip where underinsurance exacerbates that problem. There we go. So, okay. So the, so the issue with underinsurance and specifically you know, having unreasonable out-of-pocket medical costs is that it forces families, especially families of children who have, you know, who have children with complex health conditions, it forces them to choose between paying for basics like food and rent versus obtaining the, the medical care that their child needs. And so when, you know, especially if you have other children, you have to 
decide to pay for basic necessities and you delay or forgo that child's healthcare needs, chronic health conditions can build up and build up and build up to the point where they have like dangerous and life-threatening exacerbations where instead of being dealt with in an outpatient setting where the costs of the healthcare system are much less, um, families have to wait and until things are severe and they go to the emergency room instead. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Justin Yu and Dr. Amy Hautrell. They are two of the authors of a new study published in the journal Pediatrics um, about underinsurance and how it affects young people, about 2.4 million additional kids between 2016 and 2019 uh, faced problems due to being underinsured. Uh, both Dr. Hautrell and Dr. Yu are with the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. From the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Uh, one outcome you find, and I don't know if Dr. Hauchauer or Dr. Yu, if you want to take this, um, is that children who were on public or, or government-managed insurance programs, usually the CHIP program, were less likely to be underinsured than children who were on private employer-funded insurance programs. Uh, is that accurate? And 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 can we what what can we infer about that? Yeah, that's that's totally correct. And actually, this is really our findings are really consistent with a large body of literature showing that being on public insurance, so whether it's Medicaid or CHIP, is protective um, for children. And so again, this goes back into our finding of what drove the the rise in insur- in underinsurance and insurance inadequacy was that it was unreasonable out-of-pocket costs. And what we think is happening is that as the portion of U.S. children, um, as the portion of their uh, insurance coverage shifts to private insurance, um, you know, those private insurers are also shifting costs to families. So through the, you know, through the process of higher premiums, higher deductibles, and higher co-payments, um, again, they're just shifting costs to families, um, which again is why being on Medicaid and CHIP is potentially protective. But it's, it's kind of natural. I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt. Dr. Hoffer, you were just about to say something. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that's one of the key components to understand about CHIP and Medicaid for children is that it's intended to serve children living uh, in poverty. And therefore, it must have those cost protections for families. And it's baked into the way uh, Medicaid was organized for families and children. Uh, the other piece for Medicaid is the services that it, it, it's mandated to render. And that comes under this umbrella term, EPSDT, which is early and periodic screening, diagnostic and treatment benefit. So EPSDT, that provides preventive care and comprehensive care for a whole host of services. So medical care, but dental, mental health, developmental services, specialty care, and um, those children get that benefit through Medicaid. And even with that benefit, their families are not being asked to spend so much out of pocket to get it, which means that families aren't reporting as often that they are having unreasonable out-of-pocket expenses, which was the driver for inadequate insurance and therefore underinsurance, which is why private insurance seems to be uh, such an important factor here. It, it sounds to me, and I know we're, we're short on time, and, and I don't want to turn this into a political discussion or not. Your study is on statistics and on medicine. It's not on politics, but it sounds to me like one of the ways that would solve this issue would be if everyone could buy into the CHIP program, whether you have private insurance or not, you could 
I, I would prefer that my children be on chip rather than on whatever my private employer sponsored. I, I mean, I, what are some of the conclusions that you reach in the study? Yes, yeah, so, you know, for sure, our study can't test like what's the best solution, yeah. but they're definitely right in, in that the solution, you know, some solution, you know, whatever the solution is, it's going to be have to be, it's going to have to be a large scale or national level policy reform, um, and so it's absolutely going to have to, you know, go through the, the political system, and so whether that's you know a public option where families can buy into something along the lines of Medicaid or CHIP. Or, you know, another discussion would be to just have a nationalized healthcare system available for children, um, almost like a Medicare for kids. Um, that's an, you know, another potential. That's another potential solution. I think the thing that our what we want to highlight through our study is that, again, coming back to the main statistic is that yes, underinsurance grew, but a third of children are underinsured. Yeah, right. Over twenty million children. So our current insurance landscape is not meeting the needs of a third of, of U.S. children. And so that clearly points to, to the fact that we need large-scale policy reforms in the insurance landscape. I know you're, you're, the data that you analyzed ended at 2019, so before the, the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic really hit the United States. But I, I hate to ask this, but could we expect that things got worse in, in, in 2020? Well, so that's a great question. And so actually the 2020 version of the survey data has been released. And we actually, while this is an official yeah. and it hasn't been published, we actually did a, a quick quick look at the data. And actually things have slightly improved. Okay. And again, this goes back to what we think is driving it. And it's the rise or the shift in uh, the shift to employer-based or private to private insurance. So in 2020, with you know mass unemployment, yeah. the, the percentage of, of children on public insurance rose. And so consistent with that or, or concurring with that, we saw a slight uptick in the percentage of children who have consistent and adequate insurance. So again, it's just making you know, making the case for public insurance protects families better. I, I, I know we're just about out of time, but is there anything that the average person who is hearing this and maybe thinking this is awfully sobering, is there anything they can do other than reaching out to their state and uh, federal legislators and, and, you know, trying to talk about this issue? That's a great question. And I think probably many of your listeners are just like me. What they want is for all children to get the health care they need when they need it to be as healthy as possible and to thrive. They want that for their own children and they want their for their neighbor's children. So definitely reaching out to your policymakers, but also making it something that you can feel comfortable talking about, whether that's with your um, friends or neighbors or over coffee or however uh, this topic can come up where we all recognize we share same goals for children. We want children to be happy, healthy, and engaged. We want them to thrive so they grow up into happy, healthy adults. And so one of the ways we know we need to act is by encouraging policy change, as Dr. Yu was just talking about, to ensure that all children have access to the health care that they need and that it's reasonably cost, cost, cost a reasonable amount so that families are not burdened by out-of-pocket expenses. And so I would say, yes, talk to your um, representatives, but I'd also say, just make it an issue. And if you have, you know, someone who's in need, uh, help them reach out to services, whether those are social services or through their primary care doctor, case manager. Um, being a helpful hand can really change the life of a child 
And that's what we want is for children to have positive, healthy lives. About 20 million kids in the United States are underinsured. And in a new study uh, with our lead authors that we've been speaking to today, published in the journal Pediatrics, the researchers found that underinsurance was mostly driven by the increased rates of inadequate insurance rather than completely absent, absent insurance. And notably, they found that families who have children with special health care needs and who are on private insurance were hit particularly hard. We've been talking this morning with the senior author of the study, Amy Hautrell. She is chief of pediatric rehabilitation medicine at UPMC Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh. Thank you, Dr. Hautrell. Thank you very much for having us. And the lead author is Dr. Justin Yu. He's uh, assistant professor of pediatrics in the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine. Thank you, Dr. Yu, for taking some time this morning. Hey, thank you so much for having us. This was great. And thank you all for listening today to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. On Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 and 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, and Tube City Online Radio. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, the Keysport PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.